good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Mr. Gadget calling in for what will very likely be my last show of the year of our Lord, 2011. Uh, as I looked at the calendar today, it's only the 7th of December here, and uh, very early in the month. And lo and behold, the calendar is pretty well booked until uh, the 52nd week of the year. And this is a heartening thing. More and more submissions is exactly what we need to stay together and to keep us going as a community. And uh, I certainly know that you're probably tired of listening to me go on and on until I frost at the mouth and fall over backwards. But that's not going to prevent us from having another podcast today, which I am going to call uh, a, as a new possible series here. This is episode one of Where's My Flying Car? Okay? So... This all uh, goes back to the late 50s and early 60s. And if you were not fortunate enough to have lived during this time frame, we were all about science then, you know, because, as I said before in the episode, we were competing with the Ruskies to get to the moon, right? Uh, no offense to any Ruskies that listen to the podcast. And because uh, we're all friends now, right? Uh, the, uh, that science, science was preeminent in the schools, and the kids were all studying science. And we were going to live in this better world brought to us by science. And the flying car was a big part of this promise. You know, the world's fairs and other kinds of expositions of the time would show us the world of tomorrow, all these kinds of things. Even the Jetsons, right, with their flying cars, right, depicted, and their robots. It was all about making our lives better through technology and through science. And this was the future we were supposed to be living in, and we are supposed to be there by now, Okay. Now, let me make it clear here, right in the first episode of Where's My Flying Car? I do not want my flying car yet, because given the way that the people around me drive on the surface roads, I certainly don't want them hurtling around in large pieces of metal and plastic without even, even having the limits of they're in a 2D space on a road, and it limits where they can drive on the road unless they have an off-road vehicle and just flying around willy-dilly wherever they want in the air, okay? So I want my self-driving flying car, and I'm willing to wait for that because I don't want to live in the world with them just, oh, no, that's not good. So, but there's all these other things that we don't have, you know, that better world, as I said, through technology. What got me thinking about this is not only the various things that we've been talking about in, in recent episodes here, and there's kind of a theme towards the end of the year here, of uh, you know, getting back involved with these things that are about controlling the world around you with computers. And my daughter sent me something, and she was reminded of things that we will, I would talk about when we were sitting around in the, the living room together before she went off to graduate school. She found this thing and sent me a note with it. Uh, and uh, so remember how I always said, I wanted the dryer to be able to tell me via Bluetooth that it was finished, you know, with its drying cycle, okay? Now, perhaps I am overly sensitive to this whole idea of having a warning when the dryer cycle is finished, you know, the washer and the dryer, because for some reason, when we first got the house and first had our appliances, the appliances that were purchased didn't have any kind of alert at all. No beep, no nothing. And so I lived with those for several years, 
and lived through the, you know, frustration of not even having anything to tell you that it was finished with the cycle. So now, why don't I have Bluetooth that I can connect to in some way to the washing machine and have the washing machine give me a little ping over the Bluetooth when it's finished? That way, if I'm outside or if I'm at some place in the house where I can't hear it clearly, I'll know right away. Washer's done, dryer's done, come, cycle it, go through, okay? Even if you go to the laundromat, imagine at the laundromat where there was a way for you to pair up with the laundromat machine and then you could go somewhere nearby that was within the Bluetooth range or even over the internet and you could just start your stuff up and then uh, assuming it was safe to leave the laundry and no one's going to, you know, steal your clothes or whatever, you could go to the, you know, pub next door and have yourself a brew or two before your laundry is finished. I mean, it just makes sense, okay? I don't want a refrigerator. Well, let me put it this way. I don't see the practicality of this Internet-connected refrigerator, okay? They keep on talking about, oh, we're going to have this Internet-connected refrigerator, and it's going to be able to tell everything that you have in there, and then you put in a recipe, and they'll tell you, you know, everything that you need to get at the store or you know, you can just ask, you know, what can I make tonight? And it knows all the ingredients you have in the house. How's it going to know that you used three eggs out of the, the last three eggs out of the dozen eggs that you bought? How does it even know that you went to the store and bought a dozen eggs? You know, unless it's measuring all these things, even RFID tags, unless there's one on each egg, and how does it measure the liquids? You know, do you put your bottle of milk on a scale and they can tell? You know whether you need milk or not. I just don't see the practicality of this. But I do see the practicality of having a washer and a dryer that could actively tell me what part of the cycle it's in and maybe even let me say, ooh, I'm doing something and I need you to run a little longer. Maybe there's a little user interface there. Okay? In fact, for the people who are just as an extra added incentive here, okay, for the people who are in the business of having a whole line of appliances, you've got a television, you uh, you also uh, make washers and dryers. Samsung comes to mind, but there are other manufacturers that are similar to this. Okay, For those manufacturers, I want an API because I have an idea for how I want to integrate your various appliances together and a software idea that could sell people on, okay, I'm going to buy the Samsung washer and dryer to go with my Samsung TV because of the cool way they integrate with one another, okay? So we could be living in a better world. Why don't we have this? Now, she sent me this wonderful little device. It's on the uh, Kickstarter program. And when I checked it uh, before, I uh, noticed that it'll be on Kickstarter, if you're interested in this, for most of the rest of the month of December. Maybe not all the way till the 31st, but at least past Christmas and on into that last week. And so if you're interested, of course, with Kickstarter, you can kick in the money and even get one of these devices if you're interested. It's a self-contained little device. It'll run off of batteries, or it will. you can plug it into a USB, and the USB is really just used to power it, Okay couple of different ways to power it. It's got some sensors already built in, and it's got Wi-Fi. So it's got sensors already built in so that it can, for instance, 
uh, tell what the temperature is. If you want to know what the temperature is in your house, uh, or if it goes above a certain amount, uh, it's got you know some simple kinds of uh, sensors already built in for that. Is the door closed? But you can add sensors to it, like moisture sensors, or maybe some kind of a light sensor that could indicate to you that you left the garage door open, or things like that. Okay, easy to add sensors to it. No programming, just a simple web interface. You hook this up Wi-Fi to your Wi-Fi network. You can hook into it with a web page or with filling out a few things on the web page. You can get it to sense the world around it with these various sensors and send you a text, an email, or there was even another uh, method, uh, a, a text, an email, and some other method it was going to use. I forget what it was to communicate to you. So it's got various ways it can communicate with you no programming. You can start automating your world, automating your house. When I had the good fortune to be able to build a house based upon being at a startup company that was Innovative Software, I talked about that on the podcast before, and I had some stock options, and that allowed me when the, the, the stock options and the company went public, I had the wherewithal to put a down payment on a lot and build a house. This was all close to 25 years ago. We went to a home show here in Kansas City, and they were showing us the house of the future. They were showing us all these automated things you can do in and around and, and to your house. And I asked them, okay, I'm building a house right now. What kind of wiring should I put in the walls to be able to do all this? And they literally couldn't tell me. There was no standard. There was no, not even Ethernet at this time to put into the walls of the house. And basically, a lot of home automation, all the way from back in the 80s there was X10 modules. You could plug the X10 module into the wall, you'd plug a lamp into the X10 module, then you could turn on or off the lamp or you could dim the lamp and uh, various things like that. There were even timers that you could use to control the lamps and make it look like there was somebody home even though you were away because the lights were going on and off so that these wouldn't think your house was empty. Basically, that's still the basis of a lot of home automation to this very day. Why have we not made an improvement to automating your home? So if you're not a programmer and you don't have the skill set to take an Arduino and turn it into a little home controller, here's a device that you can use, no programming involved, and you can start playing around with these kinds of things and invent us the house of the future. Okay? So that is episode one of Where's My Flying Car? Now, I would like to say something, well, a couple of things, before the end of the episode. And even if this doesn't play before the start of the year, I know it will play relatively early next year and it will still be appropriate. So, number one, I would, of course, like to wish you and yours a very happy holiday season, whatever that holiday season is that you celebrate at this particular time of year. And I hope that you are able to get with your loved ones, whether they're blood relatives or not, and uh, have a celebration of life and the thanksgiving of the blessings that you have in your life. And if you're not having a life that's full of blessings right now, all of my thoughts and prayers go out to you that next year will be a better year. And a safe, safe, and happy new year. But the second thing I would like to say is a few things about the inestimable Mr. Ken Fallon. 
I would like to thank him personally because, as I mentioned before, there have been several fitful starts that I have made at trying to do a podcast on a semi-regular basis. And somehow the magic all came together, and I have podcasts on a fairly regular basis this year, and a big part of that is based upon the very, very hard work that Ken Fallon has done to support me in this effort and to support all of us who listen to this network, this 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 source of technical information. And this can be anything we want it to be. It's just like they said in the, the last show of the month about the community nature. The community nature of open source. Here's our community open source podcasting, webcasting, whatever it is you want to call it. It's a source of technical information that's both entertaining, at least we like to think so, those of us who put out these shows, and informative. And everybody can participate in one way or another. And if we all get together, because we couldn't depend on Ken forever, but there's an amazing skill set that somehow we were gifted by faith or some higher power in Ken Fallon, he was the perfect person at the perfect time because somehow he managed to beg, he managed to get people interested in producing shows. And as they mentioned, it's not just me. There's a bunch of people who have are new contributors of, of shows here over this past year. And a big part of that has been Ken because he has been able to encourage people into taking that step and and producing a show and also not sound like he was begging or whinging while he was doing it. And that was a skill set that was sorely needed. And I think the calendar here at the end of the year is starting to show really the fruits of his labors and what we need to do now. And there is a, there's a, I know a name for this, and all you guys in the U.K. can tell me what it is but I keep on forgetting it. it. never sticks in my mind. Once again, back in the 60s, right, uh, you always saw this on the Ed Sullivan show. You saw it on variety shows, on TV shows back then all the time, right? It's not a juggling act. It's the guy who spins the plates on the end of sticks, okay? <clears throat> and every so often, Ed Sullivan had one of those guys that did that. If you've ever seen any kind of variety shows on television, you've seen this act, right? He's got a bunch of sticks, and he starts one plate spinning on the stick, and then he goes over to the second plate spinning on the stick, and that's what it's like to do this, I'm sure Ken would say. It's not that you have to spend your time constantly. The problem with juggling balls, I told people for years, my job isn't juggling balls. My job is spinning the plates on the end of sticks, right? Because once you get the plate spinning, you don't have to constantly pay attention to that plate the way you do all the balls that are in the air you go over to the second plate and you start some things spinning up there, and then every so often you just have to take a little look over to there, that first plate, and whenever it starts to wobble a little bit, you go over and you spin it again to keep it going. And you can keep a whole lot more plates spinning on the end of sticks than you can balls in the air. And Ken has started the plate spinning on multiple sticks here, and what we need to do is continue that on as a group, not just with Ken doing it, but as a group. Now, with that in mind, of course, 
it's going to be a new year. Either the week after you hear this or the year has passed, and we all know what it's like to make New Year's resolutions, okay? I had some very good advice, I thought, from someone uh, when we were discussing this at my work yesterday. And she said, somebody told me, that's too long a list of New Year's resolutions. If you can't recite your list of New Year's resolutions while you're looking at yourself in the mirror every morning, then it's too many things. So you need to have a limited set of things so you'll stay at it. And that's the key, right? Persistence. Persistence, persistence, persistence. One of your resolutions for this year has got to be, if we're going to become a community, if I haven't already contributed a show, I'll contribute a show. If I have contributed a show, I'll do my second one or my third one. If I have any skill set that I can use to go in and contribute to the community, that you'll do that. And I know there's a full one-third of the population, okay, uh, these little facts that you sometimes pick up when you're a trainer and consultant like I've been over the last 35-plus uh, years. <clears throat> and one of the things that I have, uh, uh, have learned is there is a surprisingly high, it's, it's upwards of a third of the population, who when you ask them, what would you rather do? Okay, or what do you fear more, speaking in public or death? They actually say that they fear speaking in public worse than death. So I know that not everyone who is listening to this podcast right now is ever going to sit down and speak on a microphone when they know that everybody is going to hear them. But that doesn't mean you can't submit your story about how you found Linux and somebody else will read it for you. Okay? That doesn't mean that you can't contribute in some other way. If you're a web person and you can work on the website, uh, anything along that line. There's lots of technical skills that we need here. Okay? So, in this particular case, I'd like to thank Ken once again and I would like to challenge you, okay, one of those things on your list, one show, one contribution. One each if you can, but at least one of those. One show or one more show. And then I'll have to be fighting to get on the calendar instead of it seems like I'm always the one you're listening to, okay? So I would love to hear from everybody else. Once again, you can always get a hold of me at HPR, which is now Hobby Public Radio, HPR, right, at Mr. Gadgets, M-R-G-A-D-G-E-T-S dot com. So send me an email and let me know what you think. And all together, we're going to keep this network going. And Ken is going to have the time to give us some great episodes as much as I love hearing Kim's voice, and I've loved hearing it, it's been way too often here. But what we're going to get now is Kim is going to go out. He's going to find something he's interested in, and he's going to come back and tell us after looking at it for two or three weeks and really understanding what's going on, he's really going to be able to explain to us 
what it is, and I'm excited to hear the shows that Kim's going to come up with. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and this is Mr. Gadgets signing off. Bye now. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.